Good afternoon. This is August 9th, 2020, and I'm really excited for you turning in, tuning in, I'm sorry, and listening. Bless you. And I hope you receive a blessing from the word, word of God. Our King Jesus loves us all, and we thank God for his word that he's left to lead us and guide us into all truth and into the kingdom of God. I'll be coming from Matthew chapter 5 today, so if you want to get your Bible, please do. And Father God, in the name of Jesus, please bless the word today and help me rightly divide it and express what you would like to express to your humanity, to your amazing creation, human beings, creations of God, and those that have repented and accepted the Lord and are walking in the spirit, children of God. Thank you for your word, in Jesus' name. The Word of God gives us instructions, it gives us information, revelation, not only about ourselves, but also the days and times that we're living in, um, about so many things, science, education, history, um, human behavior, human relationships. <laughs> if we take heed, we, we, would, we will be so blessed, praise God, glory to his name, and we will understand, really, with life and love, is really all about. It's a an, an everlasting treasure treasure chest of treasure chest of of truths. And we're so grateful when we believe and understand that truth is designed to set us free. So Matthew chapter five, a little backstory. The Pharisees and the people of Jesus' time, when he was born, when he, when he showed up on the earth, um, they had the prophets that came before Jesus thousands of years in the, in the Torah. Um, they had Moses and Jeremiah and Elijah, Isaiah, Micah, Malachi, to prophesy of Zechariah, to prophesy of the soon coming king. Isaiah 9, 6 says that the government would be upon his shoulder. He would be called Consular Father, um, the Everlasting Father, you know, the Prince of Peace. Praise God, he would be born of a virgin. Um, Zechariah tells us that he would come, he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, Isaiah tells us that we would be, he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him, and by his stripes we would be healed. There are more prophetic words from the prophets of old in the, in the Old Testament so that the people, when Jesus showed up and after John the Baptist had identified him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, <laughs> the Pharisees and everyone really in that day and time should have been able to recognize, ah, this is the Messiah. But just like today, we have information today from the Word of God, the days and times that we're living in, you know, the last days, the, the famines, the wars, the earthquakes, the false prophets that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, those that would say they were Christ and they're not. Um, the, the rumors of wars, praise God, and the love of money, the love of many um, waxing cold. The book of Timothy, Timothy prepares us that in the last days, it would be perilous times, chaotic times. 
in times of tribulation, men would be lovers of their own self. Men would be puffed up in pride, in arrogance. The more um, talks about children would de be disobedient. Um, there'd be a great uh, falling away. People wouldn't want to listen to sound doctrine, but they would heap to themselves doctrines of devils, seducing spirits. They wouldn't want to hear the truth. They would, they would want to listen to false prophets and be falsely comforted by smooth talk and not hear true and living God. And so it is true today. Praise God. We're living and witnessing and hearing a lot of false prophets that don't preach the truth, the true and living God, the true counsel of the word of God. So here we are in chapter 5. Jesus is upon the earth. Um, there are many people that are listening to him and receiving him. At first, the Pharisees are quite um, aghast at his doctrine and his preaching because they view it as attacking them in their self-righteous lifestyle and their life of pride. They were very pompous, praise God. And they based their salvation, or if I may use that word, or their righteousness, on their riches, they valued, they counted that their riches were proof that they walked with God, that their riches were proof that they were in right standing with God. And so continuing on, chapter 5. This was very, very controversial and very painful to the Pharisees and many people during this day and time when Jesus walked. It was contrary to everything that pumped them up as being in right standing with whoever they believed to be their God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, verse 3 says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So when we dig a little deeper, what does poor mean? Are we talking about material poverty? Praise God, or are we talking about a kind of spiritual poverty, a, a spiritual understanding of a, the human need, the, the universal human need to be in touch, to be in submission, to be in praise, to be in worship with the creator like all of creation is. Poor in spirit depicts a heart that is not full of self and pride. Pride is the key sin of Satan. Satan wanted to be like God. And when we operate in pride, we don't we may not realize it, but we are making our own selves God instead of humbling ourselves in reverence and acknowledging God, his ways and his thoughts, his direction, his guidance, and let him order our steps willingly offering our lives as sacrifice to the Lord. Being poor in spirit is offering our lives, a living, our heart, our mind, our soul, our purpose, a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Being poor in spirit is having the desire to not walk in self-promotion or narcissism. We see a lot of narcissism today being manifested all over the place, on YouTube, Facebook. The news, everywhere we look, oh my goodness, being lifted up in pride to the degree of such, such ignorance and really such cruelty that it, that it morphs into narcissism, selfishness. Being poor in spirit depicts a heart that is selfless, 
and not full of self. The selfless person is what we want, is one quality of what we might describe as being poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit is that person that when others are being blessed, they're not filled with covetousness or jealousy or envy. The intent of their heart is that they know that God has a blessing for them. God, what's for you is for you. And I praise God that what's for you, you got, you received, so I celebrate with you. Being poor in spirit is an attitude of lifting up others, edifying others. Scripture even talks about esteeming others better than ourselves. Being poor in spirit is not is is a, is a soul poverty, recognizing that our heart, we're beggars. We're beggars. We need Jesus. We need deliverance. We need his keeping power. We need his mercy. <laughs> we need his forgiveness. We need his provision. We need his help. Praise God. We need him. Glory to his holy name to show us who we are and to show us who we are. Praise God. We need the Lord. I'm thinking of that song. I need you, Lord. I need you. Every hour I need you. Poverty in spirit is an acknowledgement. Glory to his name that without Christ, we can do nothing. It's an acknowledgement that there's no good thing in my flesh. Any good thing in me is the working of God's spirit in me. Poor in spirit is giving praise to God for, for, for the goodness in us, for our blessings, never being puffed up, not forgetting God like the children of Israel did. When God blessed them, they forgot God and began to, to say that they had done all this on their own. And not only that, but they started serving other gods, which included themselves. Because we can make our own selves our, our, an idol, not just celebrities, not just cars, not just houses, not just money. But we can make our own selves, our children, our family, an idol. The flesh profiteth nothing, but the spirit of God, the spirit of God. They that worship God must worship him in spirit. And the spirit of God is love and truth. Glory to his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Pride is a controlling spirit. And when we are operating in pride, we are in complete contrary, contrariness to God because God truly is the one that controls, whether we know it or not, even though we're trying to control everything. God eventually, praise God, continuing. You know, the world is filled with a lot of self-help books, a lot of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. 1 Corinthians 1.18.21 talks about, for the preaching of the cross is them that perish, foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Talking about being poor in spirit, humble, denying ourselves and letting Christ take over is foolishness to the world. Praise God. Glory to his name. Thank you, Jesus. But those of us that have come to know the Lord and are letting him cleanse us and deliver us from our selfishness, our pride, our greed, our hatred, whatever evil intents or temptations that the devil tries to consume us and get us lost and destroy us in. Praise God. We're learning the beauty of the wisdom of God, the power of the wisdom of God, the freedom 
of the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of the world will have us in bondage. A lot of that self-help, focusing so much on the outside, praise God, glory to his name, focusing so much on what we can make happen, that we're in power, that we're in control. <clears throat> glory to his name. And we all know that anybody that's ever walked that life, that that's an empty, sad life that is filled with depression and filled with people. Though they might live in mansions and, and, and have much money in the bank, they're empty in soul and searching for satisfaction through drugs and alcohol, immoral sexual perversion, sex, orgies, partings, wasting, throwing their lives away, seeking, living a life of foolishness, seeking God in love and fulfillment in all the wrong places through pride. Pride will destroy us as human beings. And the world tries to teach us that pride will fulfill us, but pride will destroy us. But humility will set us free, lift us up. If we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. But I'm talking about the kingdom. See, the world and the kingdom of God are in opposition. They are in opposition to one another. So what I'm preaching today, I can't expect even everyone that's even listening to grasp it or get it, but pray about it. I can't expect people in the world, oh, that's foolishness to let God control. That's foolishness to try not to make it happen. Praise God. And that doesn't mean that in God's purpose that we shouldn't persevere. Praise God. God, gave us, God gives us a parable about the widow that went to the unjust judge. And, he, and, and the word of God encourages us to persevere in God, not in self, but in God and his will, in his way. So many of our plans that we working so hard to make happen, they are not God's plans. And God in his goodness and his love and his mercy often chastises us, sits us down, tries to make us re-examine ourselves and get our attention so he can redirect us into where the blessing is. And in order to pivot into God, we have to be poor in spirit where we say, oh, yes, Lord, I'll do your will, not my will. I'll do your way, not my way. So many times we might have a thought in our mind, just even a thought to speak it. And the Holy Spirit will say to us, no, don't say that. Yes to God. We might be in the presence of gossip, bullying. And the Holy Spirit might direct us and say, don't participate in that gossip. Yes, Lord, not our way, but God's way. Poor in spirit, humbling ourselves and being receptive to follow Christ in our attitude. Praise God. Allowing God to control us and lead us, control and even edit our words so that they're pleasing in his sight. Glory to his name. Colossians first, chapter 2, verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you to philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So many philosophies will actually corrupt our minds, and we start reading all these books. So many people that I've spoken to that once walked with the Lord, they read so many books. They get these deceitful, deceptive, lying ideas in their head that are contrary to the word of God. 
that what man says is right and what God says is wrong. And so many times, praise God, they've been spoiled by philosophies of man, the wisdom of man. They fall away from the simplicity, the holiness, the beauty of Christ. The philosophies of man that so often are given to us from men that walk in pride, and men, either knowingly or unknowingly, are in rebellion to God. Are in rebellion to God. Praise God. Glory to his name. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that walk humbly and resist pride, for they are free to repent, to ask God to forgive them, to weep in tears from their heart and acknowledge that they've sinned against the Lord. You know, being poor in spirit is also being free from being a, a stubborn heart, a hard heart that declares that I'm right. I'm right. Everyone bow down to me. I'm the one that's right. But we've returned to Psalms 51. Praise God. Glory to his name. It's, it's, this is the psalm of repentance where David, who was walking with the Lord, walking humbly with the Lord, for a season, he would seek the Lord. Should I fight this battle? Is this your will, God? Praise God. But one day he stopped fighting battles and he put his guard down. And he let the devil come in. You know, on a daily basis, we have to die. We can get to a point. We think that we all that. We say, oh, I still love God. I need God. But in our actions and in our thoughts, we say to ourselves and to God, I don't need God. I got this. I got this. And we'd be going along so good, walking with the Lord, and then here comes the devil another little way like he came with David when he was standing on that rooftop and he saw Bathsheba, beautiful Bathsheba. It's not a sin to admire beauty, to appreciate beauty. It's not a sin to appreciate a beautiful man or a handsome man or a beautiful house or a beautiful car. But it is a sin when that appreciation turns into lust. Covetousness, envy, greed. And that's what happened to King David. His appreciation for this beautiful woman, some say we're bathing naked, allowed, turned into lust. You know, the devil's going to give us, send us thoughts, attack us from the outside, but we grow in grace to walk in spiritualness and not carnality, and we learn how to bind that thought. We don't have to entertain that thought. We don't have to let that thought, we can say, get behind me, devil. In the name of Jesus, I bind and rebuke you. I'm not lusting after that woman. I'm not lusting after that house. I'm grateful for the wife or the woman I have. Or I'm grateful for the wife that God's going to send me. I'm single now. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. We have that power through the Holy Spirit to resist the devil and draw near to God. That, re that requires being poor in spirit, seeking God's righteousness. But David didn't do that. He got lifted up in pride and rebellion against God. And he knew the Bible for that day and time. He, he knew the Ten Commandments. He knew the word of God said, don't commit adultery. To love God with all your heart and soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself, which David, much of his life, had walked in. The Bible says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. 
So David is thinking he can stand, he can handle it, and he takes, he gets the woman. He asks Joab, his uh, commander in chief, about her. Joab says she's married. Job was trying to hold him accountable. You know, when we have people in our lives that try to hold us accountable, you know, okay, calm down. Calm down. You've gone too far. You're working in, uh, uh, you know, cursing. You're, 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 you're angry. You're, you're violent. You know, you're, you're cussing. You're in sin. You're not operating in love. You're in the flesh. That woman is married. You go on and on. That's somebody else's wife. That's somebody else's house. That's somebody else's car. What God has for you, he has for you. Bathsheba wasn't for David. But because for that moment, he, he denounced being poor in spirit, walking in humility, humbling himself to God. He took that woman. Not only did he take the woman, praise God, but just like the devil, you give him an inch, he's going to try to take a mile and destroy us. Yes, he is. He murdered the man. But when, the, when Nathan came to him to hold him accountable, after the fact, Psalm 51, somehow David returned to his humble heart. He cried out, mourning, mourning for his sin, that he had sinned against God. And it reads, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Glory to his holy name. The David in Psalm 51, he's mourning, crying out with tears, with a broken heart and a contrite spirit that he sinned against God. Against thee have I sinned. You and I have to acknowledge when we do wrong, we're sinning against God. When we mistreat people, when we're cruel, when we lie, when we cheat, when we're covetous, when we plot, when we let the devil get in our hearts where the kingdom of God is supposed to rule and reign, we're sinning against God. And when we mourn for our sin, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. Praise God. When we have a conscience, when we can be convicted, praise God, glory to his name, that we don't have a reprobate mind, we can be convicted. We can acknowledge that we've sinned, glory to his name. We can come to a place of understanding it's not about me being right. It's not about what they did against me. It's what I did. Did I retaliate? Did I operate in vengeance? Or did I initiate sin like David did? It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit is coupled with they that mourn, that are, have a broken heart. They can come to God in repentance. They can receive that gift of repentance and acknowledge, Father, change me. Change me. Work on me. Put me on that potter's wheel. I got off, but God, I'm coming back. I'm getting back on the potter's wheel. Work with me, Lord. Work with me, Lord. Give me another chance, God. Give me another chance, oh God, to turn to you. Don't cast me away from your presence. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness doesn't always mean that we let folks walk over us. We get that. Meek means that we are able to respond in self-control and temperance. That we're not flying all over the place wild and evil in retaliation and vengeance. Vengeance is not your business. Vengeance is not my business. Vengeance is God's business in human relationships, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for them that persecute you, but we'll get to that. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Righteousness, righteousness. Jesus said, unless we exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, we can't even enter into the kingdom of God. So what kind of righteousness is God talking about? The righteousness of the Pharisees was self-righteousness. The righteousness of God is understanding that there's no righteousness. There's no good thing in me. I have no righteousness. All my righteousness is filthy rags. And by the blood of Jesus, I have access to the righteousness of God. I can seek him. I can repent. I can ask for more of him. And I can grow in knowledge. I can grow in integrity. I can grow in God's righteousness. Let's try to get an illustration of what that looks like. Let's turn to Luke. If you have your Bibles, chapter 18. Verse 9. And Jesus spake this parable unto us unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I am thank thee, I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, pointing his finger. We're so quick to point the finger at others, to see the moat and the sin in others. Praise God, glory to his name. I need thee, Lord, to help me get the moat out of my own eye. He goes on to, to list his, his resume of righteousness. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about if you give and you, lo- and you feed the poor and you, you know, preach the gospel and you prophesy and you do all these good works and you don't have love, when love comes with the seeking of right, obedience to God, humility, meekness, self-control, brotherly and sisterly love, yeah, ain't nothing. Nothing. It's null, it's void. 13, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, 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 be merciful. To me, a sinner. Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Glory to his holy name. Seeking God in his righteousness, hungering, thirsting after his righteousness. Scripture says, 
They that come to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seeking him. There's a diligence, there's a persistence that's implied here in this scripture. Praise God. That hunger, that hunger, that means there's a desire, there's a persistence, there's a perseverance on a daily basis all of our lives. We don't never got it together. Take heed lest you think you stand. Be careful that you don't fall because we're going to fall if we're not humbly every day seeking God, walking in poorness of spirit. I need you, God. I can't stand on my own. We got to know that. We can stand firm in Christ Jesus. We can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We're so quick when we get in trouble to cry out to God for mercy, you know. But what, think about all the times you didn't want to give mercy, didn't want to forgive. You know, Jesus tells us if we don't forgive, God can't forgive us. That's non-negotiable. That's a deal breaker. You and I are walking around unmerciful, lacking compassion. Jesus told us in his word when we've done it unto the least of them, we've done it unto him. And that includes forgiveness. That doesn't only mean feeding the poor, but giving, giving, giving in whatever way we can. And, you know, so many times there are people in our lives that we do need to remove for our lives. They haven't, you know, they haven't grown. They're walking in opposition to God. And there may be some abusive behavior, some, some behavior that God doesn't want in our lives, but that doesn't mean that we can't forgive them. That doesn't mean that we can't have compassion. And that doesn't mean that we can't exercise brotherly or sisterly love and lift them up in prayer and ask God to help them. Lord, they need help. I need help. We all need help. Merciful. Praise God. Glory to his name. There's a scripture that says, when your enemy's hungry, feed him. Merciful to even our enemies. Are you living out being merciful even to your enemies? Praise God. Glory to his name. So many times, praise God, the devil would have us look down upon people in pride that are less, they're homeless. They this and that. They brought trouble on themselves, drugs, self-addiction, self-sabotage, ignorance. But mercy, mercy. Didn't you need mercy? Didn't you walk in ignorance? I know I did. Praise God. And the scripture talks about how my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And yet when God begins, begins to give us knowledge and changes, begin to get puffed up. How can we get puffed up? How can we boast in anything? Anything good in us is God. The goodness of God, the mercies of God, the compassions of God demonstrated on the cross where God, Jesus Christ, shed his blood on the cross for you and I, for our iniquities, for our sins, for our abominations, for our wickedness. Praise God that that blood would wash away our sin. What can take away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. Praise God. Glory to his name. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you 
shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. I like that, exceeding glad, overabundantly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For for so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, Christian. If you're not a Christian, an unbeliever, God wants to make you the salt of the earth to give you the Holy Spirit, salvation. Praise God, the gift of repentance, that you can become the salt of the earth. Praise, you can be that blessing. You can be that aroma that everywhere you go, you leave the fragrance of Christ. What did she have? What did he have? I want to know what did they have. I got to ask her, what makes you so loving, so kind, that glory of the Lord, that sweet spirit? What is that sweet spirit? What is that power? What is that boldness? What is that beauty upon you? What is it? Praise God, glory to his name. I see something different about you. There's something different about you. What is it? Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of man. Praise God. Glory to his name. We're good for nothing. If we're not walking in the word, walking in poor in spirit, walking in mourning for our sins, walking in meekness, self-control under attack or stress, seeking after God and his righteousness, putting him first, praise God, merciful, forgiving, and kind, pure in heart, praise God, rejoicing when we're persecuted, loving our enemy, praying for our enemy, praying for those that mistreated us and abused us. You know, there's an old song that's been coming to me. I've been lied on, rebuked, you know mistreated. Praise God. You're going to be lied on in the kingdom now. Jesus was lied on. Jesus was mistreated and abused. And if we're going to follow him, praise God, and live in the kingdom and be pilgrims on this earth, the world's not going to love us. They're not going to, they're going to cancel us. <laughs> they're going to hate us when we really stand up and stand for the truth. Praise God. Glory to his name. But the word of God says, rejoice. Rejoice, be exceeding glad. There's a reward in the kingdom for those of us that suffer for righteousness. In other words, for suffer for love. You know, back in the day when my husband was alive, we um, did a ministry in New York with another, we partnered with another ministry, and we would witness on the street, go out and witness on the street. And one day, one night, rather, my husband and I were standing in front of a movie theater, so there was a line, right? And so my husband, um, man of God, evangelist, pastor, filmmaker, professor, father, husband, child of God, um, Francisco Newman, um, he started preaching the gospel. And, of course, there were some that received and some that hated it. And one of them hated so much, little short white guy came up and spit in my husband's face. Now, my husband was a tall black man, right? And so, you know, the world has this thought of being afraid, the fear of the black man. So everybody was like, ah, what is he going to do? He's going to kill him. He's going to kill him. Praise God. But my husband was the salt of the earth. And he blessed him. He blessed the guy that spit in his face. Praise God. He knew the word. He blessed him. And he said, you know, my brother, Jesus loves you. Ah, and the crowd went, ah, again. 
And the man went, oh, again, he was taken aback. Praise God, glory to his name. And I'm not going to say he accepted the Lord and repented right then and there, but I'm so sure somewhere in his life, the salt of the earth that my husband demonstrates at that moment resonated. And I will hope to believe that somehow that was, a, that was a witness to that young man and to that crowd that Jesus is alive. You know, we can show the world that Jesus is alive by walking in the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments. They are coupled. They go hand in hand. So how do they go hand in hand? The Pharisees attacked Christ and said that he was trying to destroy the law. But Jesus let them know, praise God, glory to his holy name, that he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, to reveal the law. He, Jesus revealed that to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and your neighbor as yourself was not only an outward show, uh, to use an illustration of going to church, but an inner an inner heart, an inner demonstration, an inner sacrifice. We can go to church every Sunday, and obviously we all know and live for the devil all week. So going to church, you know, we can say, oh, I love God. I'm walking in this OB. I'm loving my neighbor. I go to church. I do this and that. But it's about the motivation of our heart. Are we truly, be, truly worshiping and living for God? Do we have any idols? Are we worshiping our cars, our houses, our, ourselves, our families? Whatever. The devil can use anything to make an idol. Celebrity, YouTube, the internet. Praise God. Glory to his name. So God takes us to a deeper place. He tells us if you love God, you keep his commandments. He reveals what the Ten Commandments truly mean. Praise God. Glory to his name. He said he didn't come to destroy the law. In verse 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law. Or the prophets, I am come to, I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Praise God, glory to his name. Here's an example. 21, ye have been heard, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. It means hell. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So Jesus is showing us the Ten Commandments that said, Thou shalt not murder. It's not just about killing somebody physically. But the New Testament goes on to teach us that if we have hate in our hearts, that's murder. That's murder. Praise God. God is revealed, Jesus is revealing the deeper true. Meaning of the Ten Commandments, praise God, and how it takes resonance in our heart. Abundant life and walking with God and keeping the Ten Commandments starts in our heart. 
It's the action as well as our thoughts and our heart, the, dem the, the motivation, the disposition, the posture of our heart. Do you have hatred in your heart? You're a murderer. You got gossip and hatred, destruction to kill in your heart through your words. You're a murderer. It's not just killing someone. God, Jesus is showing us he came to fulfill this word. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to, un to unravel it, to, to pull away the onions and to help us understand what the Ten Commandments and how to apply it by living love. The Ten Commandments is love. Jesus is love. God is love. The Ten Commandments are for our good because God loves us. Praise God, all the Ten Commandments is love. If we love, we're not going to cover it. If we love, we're not going to murder with our mouths or physical. If we love, we're not going to lie and cheat. If we love, we're not going to plot. Praise God, if we love, we're going to walk in forgiveness. If we love, we're going to walk in miss and mercy. Jesus came to show the fulfillment of the law, that by this shall all men know that we are his disciples by our love. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the Ten Commandments. Praise God. Don't get it twisted. Obeying God is love. Drawing near to God is love. Resisting the devil and not giving into temptation is fulfilling the law. And that is love. We're loving God. We're loving ourselves. We're loving our neighbor. And we walk in the Ten Commandments. And fulfill those we are loving God, our neighbor, ourselves, and our family. Verse 25. Agree with thine adversary quickly when thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer. Thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. What is he talking about? I'm a chaplain in the county jails. And before COVID, you know, we were allowed to go in there. And I would hear a lot of stories. And I, a lot of the stories are in complete reference to this scripture that, praise God, that instead of getting control over the situation and agreeing and repenting in a conversation or an argument, human beings let the flesh, the devil come in. And just escalate and keep that grudge, keep that hardness, and let that spirit of retaliation and vengeance come in. And suddenly, something that if the two had just agreed and humbled and asked for forgiveness and, you know, got it straight with God and man, praise God, it could have been nipped in the bud. But because they listened to the devil in the flesh and let it escalate, they ended up maybe murdering somebody, killing somebody, arguing with somebody, some kind of domestic violence or some kind of wickedness, and ended up in jail. Ended up having to go to court about something that if they had handled it the spiritual way instead of the carnal way, something that could have been nipped in the bud and nobody would have never heard about it, would have never been in the newspapers, would have never been on TV, never. Glory to his holy name. If we had learned to quickly, quickly repent, Quickly walk in forgiveness. Quickly seek reconciliation. Praise God. Glory to his name. Verse 27. 
Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and dust it from and cast it from thee. It is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So let's go back to verse 28 and review this, and then I'll close with God's help. The Ten Commandments says thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus takes it even deeper. <laughs> in the Ten Commandments is speaking of the actual action laying in the bed with somebody else's wife or husband. But Jesus shows us, yeah, that's sin, but it's also sin that when the devil comes to tempt us with lust, we can rebuke it. We can admire a beautiful woman, a beautiful man. We can take lust if you will, even beyond a man and a woman, material thing. Lust comes in many forms. Right here, Jesus is focusing on sexual immorality. Praise God, glory to his name. But you and I know that lust can take the form of greed. Lust can take the form of envy. Lust can take the form of jealousy as well. And Jesus is saying that when that thought comes from the evil one, Praise God. Don't entertain it. Don't marinate on it. Bind it. Rebuke it. It's not a sin when the devil sends it to us, but it is a sin when we receive it, un, you know, un, uh, open the envelope and start reading it and looking it over and over and over and over again. You know, my husband and I used to have lots of conversations about this with fellow men. And they would always say, you know, when that beautiful woman walks by, you, you, you know, the thought of admiring her beauty is not sin. But when you take that second look, that third look, that fourth look, and you start entertaining and undressing her, that's lust. When you turn on the television and you see all those naked women and you're watching it, you know, modern television is porn. You don't have to go get all that filthy what is um, established as porn, regular television is porn. And you and I, we have to protect our eye gate, our soul. Our eyes is an entrance to our soul, and we have to protect our eye gate. Bind the devil, rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I'm not entertaining you, Satan, and your evil thought. Yes, that's a beautiful woman. I appreciate her soul. God created her. Praise God, glory to his name, and that's as far as my thought goes. Yes, that's a handsome man. Beautiful creation of God. Praise God. I love her soul. I pray for her soul. That's as far as it goes. Yes, that's a beautiful flower. Yes, that's a beautiful sky and cloud. Just spiritually minded. We can be spiritually minded where we appreciate the beauty that God's created. And that's as far as it goes. And when we let the devil twist it. Oh, does he like to twist the pure thoughts of God. 
Oh, he's a master at twisting now. When we let the enemy come in and twist a pure thought and turn it into lust, Jesus is saying, even that thought that we have nurtured is a sin. Praise God, glory. Glory to his holy name. Praise God, glory to his holy name. So I want to encourage you today. Praise God. Let the Lord give you, let the Lord give you a new heart and a new mind. Praise God. All this that's going on, praise God. Solomon said, you can gain the whole world, praise God, and come to the place where you understand it's all vanity and grasping at wind. I want to encourage you today, be thankful, be grateful for wherever you're at. Believe God to provide for your every need. When you walk in love, you're walking in the Ten Commandments. If you're walking in love, that means that you're walking in the Ten Commandments, and you're walking in Chapter 5 of Matthew, and you're walking in the Word of God, and you're understanding the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the Bible from beginning to end, the instructions, the correction, the chastisement is all an act of God's love towards you and I. He is a God of love. His commandments and the Beatitudes are because he loves us for our good, that we might walk in freedom, hatred and sin and the flesh and the devil is bondage and freedom. I mean bondage and sickness and disease and hell. Praise God, but walking in the spirit, and God is that spirit. Galatians 5, self-control, brotherly kindness, goodness, faith. Praise God. Against there is no law. We're walking in freedom. I wish you freedom today. Freedom is in Matthew chapter 5. Freedom is in the Ten Commandments. Freedom is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's me, oh God. Freedom is walking in humility. Freedom is loving our enemy. Freedom. It's washing the saints' feet. May God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.